Welcome, welcome back to She Could Talk the Podcast. I am your host, Colleen, aka Gongly MC on Instagram. If you want to see what we rocking out to, if you want to hit us up for collaborations, I just posted the 2023 on rap from Spotify. So shout out to you all for all the love. Shout out for all of the playlists, acceptances that I received this year. And I'm truly, truly grateful and and blessed. So thank you all. Also, if you want to see what we're cooking, what we're saucing and tossing, especially for the holidays, you can go over to Clean Eat Wings. How can I almost forget my IG for the foodies? Clean Eat Wings on Instagram. Or we got the She Could Talk podcast Instagram. OD on Instagram. We also got the DOE underscore records. But you know what we can do to keep that simple? You can go over to the one stop shop, the official website, www.doerecords.com. That's www.doerecords.com. If you want to submit music for consideration, Hit me up for an interview, collaborations, or if you just want to get all the links for all of the um, podcasts, episodes, or the IGs, or anything like that, you can just go over to the website. And once again, that's doerecords.com. Hey, so as you can see from this one, I fell down the rabbit hole. So I'm going to talk about this, and um, of course, I'm going to give my disclaimers. So first and foremost, I want to say in no shape, form, or fashion do I have a dog in this race. I am just sharing my opinions, and it's like you can't dodge it right now. Um, I know I did an urban celebrity crime series recently last week on the Adult Survivors Act. I really wanted to kind of cover everything in that episode under one umbrella without really zoning in on a particular person, especially people of power because you hear how um, some of these depositions have unfolded and you realize the power that people wield. But I'm coming from a different angle today. It's indirectly related to everything that's going on with, you know, Diddy, the Cassie recent um, civil suit, um, the Adult Survivors Act, um, and all of the above, right? You see how Harvey Pierre got hit with some some cases, Aaron Hall got hit with some cases, but if you get technical, this is the same act that they used to get Bill Cosby. They used to get Harvey Weinstein, Epstein, Epstein's accomplice, um, Kevin Spacey and a plethora of others like Marilyn Manson, the list goes on. So this is not a thing that's just targeted towards hip hop moguls or producers or anything like that. And I really thought that I was going to be able to just kind of sum up my opinions in that one episode until I fell down the YouTube rabbit hole, y'all. And you know me, I'm just sharing with y'all things that you may not have known because I do know I have a very diverse audience here at She Can Talk to Podcast. And you may have been seeing recently because you really can't escape it. From TMZ to Newsweek, Newsday, Daily News, the New York Times, everyone's talking about this whole situation, not only with Diddy, but you know, the Adult Survivors Act and et cetera. But, um, something that caught my attention that I thought was very 
well, I'm going to say it piqued my interest, I should say. And I want to share with y'all. Now, in no shape, form, or fashion, this is my disclaimer, am I accusing anyone of anything? It's too many accusations out there. It's too many people that are giving their personal testimonies on their vlogs, on websites. They're going over to different bloggers and podcasters and sharing their experiences and their firsthand interactions. And I thank God, especially after hearing some of these stories, do not have any personal direct interactions with Diddy or anyone from his camp. And, um, musically, I respect what they've done. Now this other stuff is, is crazy. It's like, I don't know where to go with it because I mean, the real, the reality is you've heard about this stuff for years. Like if you from New York, I'm talking about pre-internet and I'm pre-internet. We've heard all those speculations, the rumors. So even when a couple of years ago, when Jaguar Wright came out and was making a lot of her disclaimers, I was sitting here like, I believe it, like, my old group used to like basically do shows up and down the East coast with the roots, Jaguar, Wright, Jasmine Sullivan. Um, my old group was the gypsies. If you want to go look them up and yeah, we used to do shows all the time. So we were in the atmosphere, you know, directly, indirectly, however you want to say it. And I will say this, I've met Jaguar, Wright Several times I've, um, interacted with her several times and her personality, the way you see her on YouTube has not changed over 20 years. That is exactly her. Now it remains to be seen. Cause some people say she's crazy. Some people say she's on drugs. I'm not here to say any of that. I'm here to say that I believe her because of the things that I've interacted with or seen for myself, but, um, and I'm not necessarily talking about the Diddy situation. I, like I said earlier, I have not interacted in those capacities over there, but I've seen how things move around a couple of times. And I'm like, yo, I, the way she is and her personality has not changed. And really and truly Jaguar, Wright Is like 50 cent. Like they're very consistent with their story and they're very, um, passionate when they tell it and it, it, they're very unwavering with the story, meaning that, um, you're not gonna, you can hear the story from Jaguar, right? Or 50 cent, like in 2005. And then in 2000, 2025, you'll get the same story because it's on the wavering and they're very consistent. So with that being said, I fell down a couple of rabbit holes and, um, to do this new, um, episode, I said, I wanted to touch on something indirectly related to this whole situation. Right. Okay. So as we know, we all know, rest in peace to Kim Porter. She was a beautiful woman. I followed her. I followed the three Brown girls, which was like her fashion company, I believe healthcare, beauty care, skin line exercise. It was just like a lifestyle, right? With her, her two besties. Um, I thought she was beautiful with her kids. I just thought she was just a beautiful person all around that I seen online, never interacted with her directly. So, um, you know, there's rumors swirling around her death and a lot of people saying that it was intentional, her death. And it was because she was writing a book. So I don't know anything about that. And I'm not here to say like, that's fact. This is true. This is what I think. No, that's not what I'm here for. I just wanted to share some things with you all that I thought 
was interesting or piqued my interest. And I said, Hey, am I reaching? You could tell me. So I said, well, you know, if anyone could write a book and give a lot of details, it could be the mother of his child, right? Look at Cassie. Cassie did not have any children for him, but she was with him for 12 years. And they said originally, I don't know how true it is. Allegedly the original deposition was 60 pages and they were able to condense it and shrink it down to the 35 page deposition that's all over the internet right now. 60 pages. First of all, I think 35 is a lot and, uh, like, I don't know. I don't know. It's very shocking, right? To go into all of that and hear it. So she had to shrink that down from 60. Yeah. She could write a book, right? And if that was just a girlfriend of over 10 years, 10 plus years, what would the mother of his child be able to say, right? And because she's not here to say it, you have a lot of speculation, a lot of other people's opinions. They're sharing how, like, hey, she was writing a book. Hey, it's in the cloud. It's not in the cloud. It was on her laptop. The laptop got missed. It got stolen. You know, so many different speculations. I don't know. You know, like the, the truth is yet to be seen, right? But um, I thought it was interesting because that's the segue that I'm going into this episode here with. So Kim Porter died under mysterious circumstances and allegedly she was working on a tell-all book about her life. Um, Albie Shore, they said recently, was working on a biography of his life and he fell ill and was in a coma for like majority of this year. And he's in rehabilitation right now trying to get back. So he's up, he's out of his coma, but it's like a, a long road to rec full recovery. What happened? Why is it that people, as soon as they write tell-all books about themselves, they fall ill or die under mysterious circumstances? one to grow on. So that made me look a little bit deeper and say, well, did anyone else try to write a book that included anything or insinuated anything towards, you know, Diddy? I can't even lie. I'm scared to say his name, y'all, because I know he's a powerful man and I respect the power. Little old me, I do not have a dog in a race. I'm just really sharing this for informational purposes, educational purposes, and entertainment purposes, right? And I don't really think that the demise of someone or the trauma of another person is entertainment, but it is a rabbit hole. And I know that all of us have been down this rabbit hole for the last couple of days. And every day that I try to climb out, 50 Cent just pulls me back in. I swear. He'll post something. Next thing you know, I'm like looking like, let me look. But I even pulled up the Chappelle show on Netflix and watched the Chappelle show one night, like, you know, we were here chilling, like, yeah, cooking dinner. I want to see the episode about making the band. And, you know, I think everything, like with the Boondocks, the Chappelle show, everything, with the mature mind and how many years later from watching it when it originally came out, it's still funny, but um, you still have a different 
perspective nowadays. So looking at it, that episode is like, wow, it was so funny. And it could, you could look at it like, oh, he was just being, he was just over exaggerating how Puffy is or how he was towards the band on the show. But looking at it after all of this stuff, it, it, it kind of gives you the vibe of a, a serious dictator, you know, um, for lack of a better word. So I don't know. You guys look it up. Look up the Dave Chappelle episode when he did, you know, did he make it a band? And tell me from the lens of 2023 and with the information that has been shared with us in the news recently, do you think, you do you feel like Dave Chappelle was just strictly focusing on the show or was he sliding in some innuendos to let you know like hey yo Puffy's a wild boy for real or a wild man for real so um I think the latter but that's my opinion so I watched that I watched the episode of making the band while well, the Dave Chappelle spinoff or parody of it and um still funny but he kind of give it like an eye of discernment this time around. You're looking at it like, well, wait a minute. What's, you know, was he being, you know, funny or is he really diabolical? You know, so that type of aspect. Another thing that I came over of across because the thing that's been on my mind lately throughout this whole thing with this, you know, adult survivors act with Diddy and his, you know, his freak offs coming to light, the 10 plus years of, you know, torture or abuse that Cassie had to deal with coupled with Kim Porter's stories and everything. It just kind of makes you feel like, made me feel like was Wendy Williams correct I remember in New York when she was on radio. So this is before the Wendy Williams show, all that stuff. Like the Wendy Williams that you see on TV was like the Oprah version of Wendy. Like, you know, if you say the different variations of Wendy, when she first started out, maybe in college radio, then she got her break and then she became like the queen of gossip. And then she became banned and became, became like a pariah in radio. Then she reinvented herself, came back to radio and then got a talk show, like a TV show. Like she has did a lot. I got to give a little clap for Wendy Williams. Yeah. And I'm going to give her her flowers tonight. A little shout out. The reason why I say that is because I cannot help but to think about Wendy through all of this. I know how so many people hated her. So many people try to discredit her and say, oh, she didn't know what she was talking about. And I agree. Not saying I agree with that she doesn't know what she was talking about. I agree that she was harsh on people. And I agree that she definitely wanted to get the tea and get to the nitty gritty, but, um, she opened the doors for all these other people. We see, we see the Tasha K's, all the tea parties, like all these different people that use the blueprint from Wendy Williams. And I can't help to think about, there was a time when she was in radio and she kept on having like a blind topic item about a gay rapper. And she was like, he's a gay rapper. He does this. Like she would give, you know, descriptions about parties or descriptions about what he did to someone somewhere in public or where he was seen and blah, blah, blah. So it was so many blind topics to the point that people were literally narrowing it down. Like, 
you know, it has to be this one. It has to be this one. We're going to eliminate this person, but we're not going to eliminate this person. And, you know, to be honest, Puffy was always in the mix as one of the people like to consider for that, um, as a gay rapper at the time. But then years passed, um, she got off a of radio. Well, it was worked out not in her favor and she was banned from New York radio, went to Philly for a little bit. And actually I feel like I'm not doing the history justice. So Miss Williams, if you're out there, I apologize. I give you nothing but respect. But what I will say is she, I know she was banned from New York and exiled. So she basically had to go to like the Virgin Islands or the Bahamas radio and then work her way back into the States. And she got to Philly and then she worked her way back up to like New York radio, VH1, and then the Wendy Williams show. But, um, a lot of people try to discredit her. A lot of people try to say that, you know, she's always focusing on a downfall and et cetera. But as time, cause they say time is the truth teller, right? Time tells all truth. So as time goes on, a lot of her blind topics have been confirmed. Um, I remember she even made a little like passing comment about Mr. C and saying how Mr. C lived next door to her or a tranny lived next door to her that Mr. C used to come see. I don't remember the clear story because this was back in radio days. And, um, if you look it up, you could probably find it on YouTube somewhere, but she always had those pockets of information that we would be like, especially in the nineties, we were like, yo, that's crazy. Ain't nobody gay in hip hop. Like, you know, it was just like not a thing, right? It was there. It was gay people everywhere in hip hop included, but not out and about, right? And open. So for her to constantly be saying that, it kind of felt like maybe she was trying to bully people versus really trying to bring forth or shed some light on something, which ultimately at that time, if you were bringing someone's like sexual preference, which was not of the norm to the forefront, nine times out of 10, it's going to be considered like an exposure and you know, it could hurt the career. It could hurt like the, their image. So a lot of people wanted to avoid that. And then that kind of rolled into like the hate train for Wendy, like, yo, you a hater, you're this, you're that. And kind of rolled into it. But then I say like this, because you've heard um, several people come out in the last couple of weeks, ever since the Cassie deposition, saying how, what they've encountered. Recently, there was a, I don't know what he is. I don't know if he's a YouTuber or social media influencer. I don't know. But it's a guy named Fat Drew. And he said he was on Star Island. And he went to a party with one of his DJ friends and it was in their party and, and he's looking for a bathroom and he stumbles across a room where Puffy and a couple of other guys are laying around basically so comfortable. All they were missing was grapes, like to feed each other. They were lounging on each other's laps and having a good time. And the security guard saw him, everybody saw him and was like, what the fuck is he doing here? And they escorted him out. He said he had anxiety from going to that party because he didn't know if he would ever get a backlash for it or if someone would come looking for him for it, you know, because he's seen something that maybe he wasn't supposed to see. You hear a lot of these stories though. And Wendy was one of the first ones that told those stories. So it leads me to say this question here, who else is in the room? And could that be why a lot of them were upset with Wendy back then? Because if you expose one, that you could potentially 
exposed more who were in the parties in attendance, who was also participating. And maybe some of them are married and have kids, right? Now, don't get me wrong. This is my other disclaimer. I have nothing against gay people. I have nothing against anyone who's sexually free, sexually liberated. Do you. But I say be 100% free and completely do you. Don't do it secretly. I'm not saying have an orgy in front of everybody and your kids on Christmas. No. But I'm saying be you and live in your truth. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying about that. And I'm saying also at the same time, I feel like Wendy has been persecuted, you know? Yeah, you know, like, you're probably saying, like, clean, no, her husband publicly humiliated her and, you know, caused her downfall, and then she caused her downfall, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I get it. She's a sick woman. I'm not here to judge her on that or persecute her further. I'm just saying, I've been thinking about Wendy lately during this whole interesting times. So with that being said, like I said, I fell on the rabbit hole. I found the interview that Wendy did on the Wendy Williams show of Puffy and the interview, I will say this and I will, I will always give Puffy this. He's very debonair, very smooth, very welcoming. Like he has a larger than life personality and you have no choice but to get drawn in. And I feel like man and woman, I understand. However, um, you know, you see that conveyed on the interview as well with him and Wendy. He was like really suave, debonair. He had on like Givenchy, Louboutin. He was decked out. And you know how she always do the shoe cam and everything. But Wendy, if you ever watched her show and you're familiar with her and her guests, she's very in control. Not saying that she's bullying the guest around, but she's very confident when she's talking to them and she's like, Hey girl, let me see your shoes. How you doing? Oh, you look, Oh, he smells nice. And you know, she'll give the compliments. They'll flow back and forth, etc. And she did, she did give puffy compliments, but you also could tell that she was nervous and she was dancing around a lot, you know? And it was at one point in time where she kind of was like stumbling through a question about, you know, his kids and his three baby mothers. And honestly, I really don't know what she was asking, but she was like, okay, so you have six kids, three baby mothers, um, um, six kids, three baby mothers. And I guess she was trying to, you know, get to the point of like, how do they all get along or whatever? But he kept on looking at her like side eye ways, you know, like, you like spit it out, bitch, what you trying to say? And, you know, he kind of cut her off and was like, they all taken care of. And so the, the crowd started clapping and, you know, et cetera. And then, um, he said he started going into how he met them all at the same time. So he, he, he even lends credibility to that part of the story. When you hear others up there talking like Gene Deal and Jaguar, Wright, They're saying that, you know, these are women that were all in the same circle and somehow became involved with Diddy. But, um, yeah, so you could see that her interview with him was very uncomfortable, very 
on eggshells, for lack of a better word. And I thought that was interesting. But even though I spent about 20, 25 minutes talking about all of this, that's not even really the topic of today's story. It is definitely mysterious deaths. And, um... Yeah, Kim Porter, that they consider it, depending on which circle you're in and who you talk to, a lot of people say that her death was very mysterious as well. And, you know, the whole air of a book, you know, being that she was writing a book, that whole rumor mill, that's out there. But I did find two other artists, well, excuse me, authors who actually wrote books about the culture in the hip-hop industry, right? So the first author, um, his name is Terrence Dean. Terrence was an MTV executive, two-time author. He wrote a very, very controversial book. And um, and let me pause real quick because I don't want to mess up dates. Give me one second. Okay, great. Good thing I paused and checked it. It was published in 2008. I think I was about to say 2005, so I'm happy I paused and made sure I got the correct data. So yeah, in 2008, Terrence Dean published a book called Hiding in Hip Hop. And the book was about gay men and the gay culture within hip hop. So he himself, right? And then me personally, and especially now because he's passed on mysteriously and we'll get to that, but, um, you don't really have a lot of new footage and he died last year. So it's not like he died as soon as the book came out, but there is a plot twist there. So hiding in the hip hop was, um, a more so memoir about himself and how he became, you know, the music exec that he is and his experiences as a gay man, a gay black man in the music industry. So one of the biggest things and one of the biggest points he tried to make with his book is that it's a lot more gay men in the industry than you think, right? Now, 2023, we're like, so what? Who cares? Myself included. Like, if you're gay, you're gay. 2008, maybe it was probably still controversial. I definitely know 98 and 88 controversy. <laughs> so, but guess what? It was there too in those times as well. But, um, so yeah, he put this book out in 2008. It did great. A lot of people were curious to see what he was talking about. And, um, even though he did now, I'm going to be honest, I didn't read the book, which I said I wanted to, because it seems interested, but I didn't read the book, but based on reviews, based on, you know, talks, based on his interviews that he had about the book, um, it seems like he, kept some names, you know, changed some names to protect the not so innocent. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so it kind of left like a guessing game for the audience. So the readers had to kind of decipher who was who based on certain dis descriptions or based on certain attributes or titles that they held or what they were, like what their positions were. So they're like, oh, this might be puffy. So, 
Puffy was a name that came up back then. Like, yeah, he's definitely one of the guys that he's talking about in the book. However, it was never confirmed, right? So I watched, I fell down a rabbit hole of Terrence Dean and looking up his interviews, trying to see, you know, his opinion on stuff. So two things that stuck out to me that was very interesting. When he spoke about Hiding in Hip Hop, his first book, he said um, that he was pleased and pleasantly surprised to know that there was so many gay men like him. He said because he wasn't really a saucy Santana, like flamboyant, feminine man. He's a masculine guy and he works in an entertainment field where, you know, in a position that he held, I guess they probably at that time maybe were expecting you to be a masculine man, man dealing with hip hop, etc., or whatever urban culture. So, but the book also was basically saying, Hey, when he got into certain rooms, he was happy to see he wasn't the only one. And the thing that kept him from finding love up until that point was, um, that he didn't want to date a feminine man. Like he, that's not the type of gay man he was. And that's not the the type of gay man he was attracted to. He said, I actually like my boyfriends to, watch football with me. We could talk about cars. You know, we, he's my friend, but we just sexually attracted to each other. So he said that in an interview that's like over 15 years old, because this is around the time when the book dropped. And I said, oh, okay, well, this is a nice, um, prequel, if you will, because he was writing about the before, a time where if you were considered gay, then you had to have those stereotypical gay attributes, like being extremely feminine, loud, and, you know, like think of like, um, men on films and living, um, living color when they, when Damon Wayans and David Alec Greer would do like their men on film reviews, they'd be like two snaps in a circle, you know, that type of thing. So, it's from that time frame that he grew up in and he was looking for love and dating. So he was saying that he wasn't attracted to that type of gay man. He wanted a gay man like himself. And that's what the book was about. Basically saying like, Hey, look, not only is it possible for me to find love? I did. And I found my tribe. I found my people that are like me. I get it. So, and it's basically, and I, like I said, I didn't read the book, but just based on the interview he had, it's basically a lot of tryst or hookups or maybe freak offs that took place that he wrote about, you know, on his personal memoir. Now with his memoir, you know, he made it seem like it's a loosely based memoir on his life. Like it was a fictional tale still. Right. So the interviewer asked Terrence Dean during the interview, they said, okay, so now since then you're like an MTV executive, you come a long way. Do you still sleep with celebrities? And he said, that's going to be in the next book. And the guy was like, Ooh, you know, because it was, you know, 
And the guy was like, okay, well, we're going to be looking forward to that. So here I go now. What's the next book? Because did he get to release one or not? Right? He did. So he actually released a few books. So I think earlier, and I'm going to correct myself. I think earlier I said he was a two-time published author. No, he has a plethora of books that he published. So like I said, he published Hiding in the Hip Hop in 2008, but he did publish prior to that. He had, um, a book called Reclaim Your Power, A 30-Day Guide to Hope, Healing, and Inspiration for Men of Color. That was in 2003. That he had Straight From Your Gay Best Friend, The Straight Up Truth About Relationships, Love, and Having a Fabulous Life. That came after Hiding in Hip Hop, and that was in 2010. Now, I have to just pause real quick and do my sidebar, because as I'm reading that, I noticed something, and I wonder if you caught it. His first book, which he released in 2003, was more like a self-healing, inspirational book for men of color. Maybe he wasn't fully out the closet then. I don't know. This is just my opinion. I have no facts. It could be alleged. Maybe he was out the whole time and I didn't know him. I don't know him. But just reading the book, it seems like he was battling and healing and coming to his coming into his truth right 2003 self-healing book 2008 a memoir he's best known for the 2008 memoir hiding in hip-hop i'm going to read a little bit about that as well just to give you a quick insight. So the summary of the book, hiding in hip hop begins with an account of Dean's traumatic childhood. So, ah, it is really about him and not a fiction. So there we go. So his traumatic childhood grown up impoverished to abusive drug addicted parents and how these childhood experiences led him to the entertainment industry. Dean then discusses how he got involved in a secret gay hip hop subculture and his first parties. He gives graphic depictions of sexual acts between men he either participated in or witnessed, some allegedly involving well-known rappers or Hollywood celebrities. Throughout the book, Dean refers to himself and various individuals as being down low or down low gay men who have sex with men but do not consider themselves gay or in the closet. So do you see what I'm saying right there? I, I didn't even read the book and something said, just read that summary. But bef- before we go into anything further, didn't I just say 2003, he seemed like he may have been still in the closet. So he did a healing book. That book was definitely for him and definitely for his peers that he knew was in the same boat, that they was probably fighting that, you know, uncomfortness of, wanting, you know, to be within a relationship with a man, but society is not seen, deemed acceptable by society at that time. So then 2008, the, the reins start loosening, the gates start loosening a little bit more, and he felt comfortable to put out his memoir. 
So a lot of people was like, wow, okay. So just to give you a little bit further, Dean discusses the macho gangster image that is the cornerstone, but does not define the hip hop industry and how it plays against the sissy weak image of the gay community. Dean states that by outing himself and coming to terms with his sexuality, he might help other individuals or improve hip hop and and Hollywood as a whole, right? So his goal was to kind of say like, hey guys, we've been wilding for a long time. I don't wrote a book about it. I thought the book was gonna shake y'all up a little bit or at least inspire you to live in your truth like myself. It didn't, as you can all see. Um, well, you know, I digress in some circles it's remain to be seen, but I thought that was very interesting that he made a bold, um, step forward because to me, I feel like, yo, I really have to give Terrence Dean a round of applause. The reason why is because he chose to take a bold step during the time that, um, that's, that's you know, a really harsh thing. Like you can lose your reputation in society, you know, different circles, trust, you know, because he was going to these secret parties and partaking. So with this book, he could have potentially lost trust or maybe invites to those parties. Right. Or maybe people would have been looking at him like, yo, you know, turning their back on him and act like they didn't, you know, so it was a lot at risk for him to take that bold step, but he did. But, um, some people were like, oh yeah, that's why he, you know, got killed. Or if he did get killed is because of that book. Well, I'm gonna tell you like this. I don't think so. I'm gonna go back a little bit because, um, the book came out in 2008. Okay. He did not die to 2022. It could be other things involved. Like maybe they could have like summoned him and asked him, for information like he definitely put a whole book out saying that he was at certain parties or parties similarly described in Cassie's deposition so maybe he could have been a key witness at some point or you know a character witness who knows who knows because this is not even a criminal case right but um and I'm just speculating and kind of giving my opinion and throwing out some wild theories because hey it's so many rabbit holes to fall down I fell on a few and this is what I came up with so okay so he put the book out and they interviewed him and it was like well are you still having sex with celebrities and he said that's gonna be in the next book so the next book he put out in 2011 which was his last book was called Mogul and Mogul made his fiction debut. So all the other stuff was like self-healing, you know, his true story, his memoirs of being a gay man in the industry. But Mogul was a fiction story. And um, I'm going to read you the scenario of Mogul. So you can um, see what you decipher from that. So give me one second here. So on the cover is a very good looking man in a suit coming down the steps. Kind of almost gives you the vibe of Jamie St. Patrick walking down the steps of the club. Not even trying to put him into this conversation. And also he is a fictional character. But um, so check this out. This is just a scenario for the book Mogul, which is Terrence's Dean, Terrence Dean's 
last novel. So after a sudden death of his father, a renowned jazz musician, Aaron, Big A.T. Tremble, clings to music as an escape. Making hip-hop beats becomes his life. His love for music lands him at the estate of Larry Pop Singleton, a retired and respected hip-hop music mogul who sees something special in Big A.T. He also knows the truth about his sexuality. With Pop's blessings and nurturing, Big A.T. is on the path to becoming the next great hip-hop producer in New York. With the help of Pop and the family, a network of secretly gay men in the hip-hop world, Big A.T. finds success and starts his own music label. He's signed and worked with some of the biggest hip-hop artists in the country. One of them is Brooklyn native lyricist Tick Man. Together they are making sweet music together. Tick Man and Big A.T.'s relationship goes beyond producer and rapper they become secret lovers. Now, nothing can stop Big A.T. All of the radio stations play his music. He has music, money, fame, and Jasmine, his girlfriend who doesn't know about his secret love for men. However, at the pinnacle of his career, compromising photos of Big A.T. land on the desk of a national news program and in the hands of his girlfriend. Big A.T. for the first time is at the crossroads in his career and comes out publicly with his secret. Well, will he come out publicly with his secret or watch his music empire crumble? So you tell me how you feel about that. That was the scenario straight off of Amazon, last book. When I read that, I said, ugh, ugh. Now, I have to throw my disclaimers in there. This is all for educational entertainment purposes and allegedly. Just reading that book with a vivid imagination, I would say that the retired hip-hop mogul would be Andre Harrell that, you know, had the secret gay society of men that helped push Big A.T., a.k.a. Puff Daddy, to the top. He helped him get his record label, and then he got a Brooklyn artist, lyricist, named Tick Man, Biggie. Now, it could be, of course, it's a fiction, right? So am I going to say Biggie and Puffy were lovers? No, I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, it's fiction. So, of course, they're going to change some stuff around and make it plot worthy, I guess, to sell. But that's very interesting. Or could it be close to the truth? And because it sounds so weird, we refuse to believe that. Now, I'm not putting nothing on the dead. I'm not trying to, you know, I respect Biggie. I respect Puffy. The The music they put out is classics during my lifetime. I'm just falling out a rabbit hole that everyone has been falling down for the last two, three weeks at this point. And um, so I came across Terrence Dean. And so when I read that scenario, because I told you I read the hiding hip, well, I didn't even read the hiding hip, hiding in hip hop scenario until just now with you all right before I read the second one. But I watched a lot of interviews. Um, there was actually a guy online, shout out to make it make sense on YouTube. who was actually reading chapter by chapter, the whole entire book. And I was like, I'm not going to sit through this whole book, but you know, I kind of caught a gist of, you know, a couple 10 minutes here. They're listening to what he was talking about and he was jumping to the juicy parts. So, 
you already know. So that coupled with this fiction story, it kind of seems like the memoir, you're kind of just generalizing, right? You're not really saying names. You're just saying, Hey, I was here. They were there. We were there. Right. But then the we and the eyes and the days is yet to be seen or determined in his memoir. But, um, if you was to read the memoir and then segue into the mogul novel, it kind of hones you in a little bit more on who he could be talking about in his memoir, in my opinion. So he put that out in 2011. So a lot of people like, well, you know, he put that out in 2011. When did he die? Like, you know, how is it, how do we know that it's connected, etc.? I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying it's very interesting that the books he wrote about, and he actually died August 11th, the day of hip hop of 2022. So August 11th of 22 is when he passed away, um, mysteriously. So let me, let me see about that. Let me see if it gives us any information. So it says, according to officials at Denison university, where Dean was employed sometime in the summer of 2022, Dean was stricken with illness and briefly spent time in a hospital in Columbus, Ohio. On August 11th, 2022, police performed a wellness check in which they found Dean dead in the home and the exact time cause of death was not provided. Neither was the cause of death for that matter. Mysterious, right? To me, I think it is. Cause, um, for example, just like this, like he wasn't in not at least not mine. And you could tell by the other YouTubers and bloggers, Terrence Dean was not a name that was on a lot of people's lists. You had to be in certain circles to know him. And of course it had to be the industry circles, executive circles, the behind the scenes, behind the curtains, to kind of put that face to that name. Right. And then the book that was in 2008 and the internet marketing on the internet, the way we use the internet and social media was completely different. We were still like in toddler stages of doing stuff, you know what I'm saying? So his book could have been promoted well, but it could have still been missed by others like myself who is not in the gay community, but, um, I probably still would have been intrigued to read it because it is the music industry and I'm a part of that community. And that's something that's interesting to me, but, um, no, not on my radar at all. Not the first book hiding in a hip hop and not the second one mogul, but now they are. So imagine if he was alive, I'm just saying, so like, for example, his bodyguard that Cassie named in the deposition that said he stopped the fights a couple of times and he stopped the abuse. He came forward. He, even though he recanted his statement, he came forward and he said, yes, finally, I can not live with this. I have daughters, you know, yes, I witnessed that, you know, and I'm gonna go, you know, they say your first reaction is always the truth. So I'm gonna go with that. Cause he came back later on and try to recant a little bit. And I get it. It's a dangerous play. And to me, I feel like, is it the parties? Because you know, the sexuality. And then I was just looking at, I got to go back a bit. I just was watching 
a very interesting documentary on Little Richard because that's the type of person I am. And, you know, I'm trying to keep up with this urban celebrity crime series for you all. So when I get some time, some downtime, I sit down and I look at different things in music history. But um, Little Richard, very talented dude. If you see Little Richard's pictures and videos from when he was younger... Very good looking dude, very sexy in a weird androgynous way. Like he would have the wigs on or like his hair permed up and he would wear makeup and like arch his eyebrows, but he had a mustache. He had facial hair. He Think of James Brown, right? So all the people that little Richard mentored, and I'm probably not, I know I'm going to miss a few, but off the top that I could think of, cause they're in the documentaries, not only saying, yes, I, he did mentor me, but it's footage of them sleeping on his floor of them, like eating and living together. And that's to me, the true musician life. When y'all live, eat, sleep, shit, the music together. He had Mick Jagger there with him, Mick Jagger's band. He had James Brown. He had Billy Preston. He had the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, like, and that's just me off the top that I could think of based on a movie that I watched not that long ago. So little Richard, and then here goes my, here goes the innocent young clean, because I remember great balls of fire from the eighties. I remember him on like he was in a couple of movies and I knew he was a singer and you know, he was just larger than life then. And honestly, I was an innocent kid. So I knew he was feminine, but boy, George was also feminine. And I loved boy George too. It was the music. I didn't love him. Like I wasn't like idol worshiping and like, Oh my God, I love boy George. I think he's so handsome. It was like, I love his music. I love that vibe. It was the same thing with little Richard. So, but in the 80s, I know he was doing interviews and telling people he was not gay. And everybody like, oh, Lil Richard, come on. And he was like, no, I'm not gay, right? So now as I'm older and I look at the documentary, that was pure satire. And that was basically tongue-in-cheek sarcasm because it was like, y'all know I've been gay for this whole time. But fun fact about him, one of the um, biggest things about Little Richard is he had a lot of orgies. <laughs> <laughs> that's my kiss. I don't know if y'all heard that, Mwah. but he had a lot of orgies going on. Yeah. And, um, men and women, bisexual activities, women on women, men on men, etc., was popping off. And then you have some of the people that was in the band and they're like, Hey, we didn't get down like that, but I fucked 1400 women on that one, one tour. You know what I'm saying? Like, so they all had stories of sexual liberation. So I say to, to everyone, like it's been here since the dawn of time. Orgies is in the freaking Roman time, Greek mythology. Sheesh, even the Bible, if you go look for it, I'm pretty sure you'll find some. And so I don't really feel like that's the persecution. I don't feel like you should be persecuted for that. And especially if everyone is having fun and consenting to it. It's the, when they're not consenting and when you're forcing people to do stuff that they don't want to do. Just like I mentioned, you know, a couple of episodes back about, you know, Dwight Howard, we don't care what's going on in your bedroom, but if it's a crime, then we're going to be fucking involved or we're going to, we, we want to know what happened. Like, what the fuck was that? So same type of thing. So, um, 
That's why I always say, like, I wonder what it was. And I do know, just like with the mogul novel subscription, if he was raised in, you know, for lack of a better word, or mentored by older men in the industry that basically followed certain rules, you know what I'm saying? I call it old Hollywood. Maybe he was resigned to old Hollywood way of life. Like, Hey, we're going to keep the certain things private and then certain things public, you know, some things for the public, which I feel there's nothing wrong with that. I get it. But, um, Hugh Hefner had orgies and people over at the Playboy mansion from the what? 50s, 60s. I don't know. So I don't see where, um, you know what I'm saying? Maybe some of y'all might be out there listening like, Colleen, you a freak. I'm not saying, you know, but I, I do believe in sexual liberation. You know what I'm saying? Like if it's, if you want to be comfortable and with yourself and you're comfortable with doing certain things, you do it. I know my limits, you know what I'm saying? So I'll do what I want to do, but when I reach my threshold, I'm good. Now, disrespect, uh, you know, I would say just respect other people's boundaries, right? So if someone says, Hey, I'll just be with you. We could do it in the room full of other people doing it, but I just want to be with you. Then respect that. But if you like, Hey, not only are you going to be with me, you're going to be with every man in this room and I'm going to make sure of it and whatever, like that's crazy. Like, nah. So respect people's limits and boundaries, I would say, but everyone has a, a freaking number. We wouldn't be here if our mamas didn't freak our daddies and our daddies didn't freak our mamas and we wouldn't have, you know, kids and grandkids, et cetera, et cetera, the doggies and puppies and kittens and cats. Yeah, everyone gets it in. So that should not be a crime and it should not be a persecution there. Now I get it because you might be from an older generation where certain things were frowned upon or, you know, being a certain way was not considered a good thing. So I could see where you were like, Oh, I want to keep, um, certain things private. But, um, when did it become like dangerous and why, why, what caused it to be dangerous? So, but, um, yeah, so that was Terrence Dean. That's the first author that I'm going to mention, you know, because he put out two books that I was, that I say, yeah, they were kind of a roadmap to if he was still alive and if it was a, a different scenario where Cassie had to go to court, like she pulled, like she named the bodyguard, she named the security guard, she named Ken Cuddy, you know, maybe he would have been named too. Maybe Kim would have been named too if she was here, right? To as far as like character witnesses, who knows? Who knows? And this is just, what's the word I'm looking for? Opinions. It's not even allegations because I don't want to accuse anyone. This is like scenarios, throwing out scenarios because when you fall on a rabbit hole and you find stuff, you're like one plus one make two. What do you think? So yeah, and just to kind of even put that little disclaimer on it, I know this is part of the Urban Celebrity Crime series, but it's not really a crime. It's more like a mystery, which still falls under crime, right? So Terrence Dean was found dead in his home after 
a wellness check was requested. Now, how long do you have to be non-responsive or how long does a relative have to not hear from you in order for a wellness check to be performed? You know what? Instead of me just assuming, let me pause and find out. Now, this is interesting. So I guess when you go missing is different than a wellness check. So they say certain things trigger a wellness check. It has to be reasonable, of course, but um, you might request a welfare check generally when you are worried about someone you know. You worry, your worry could stem from the person's non-responsiveness, so like they're not answering your calls, you text them, etc. Mental health, like you know they're on meds and they had a bad break before so, and you didn't hear from them, so you just want to make sure they didn't have a bad break. If they're disabled, you know, or elderly, I could see that. And it says, or other legitimate concerns. So, you know, that's anything else. You could be like, hey, my friend was getting a lot of death threats and now he's not answering the phone. Can you check on him? Crows. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, like, can you... I, someone's been calling and hanging up on him and he heard someone like trying to break in the other night and now I'm not hearing from him. Can you check in on him? So I'm just throwing out scenarios out there that can be legitimate concerns that would trigger a wellness check. So a wellness check was triggered and that's how they found him. That's one to grow on. So we're going to segue from Terrence into Erica Kennedy, which is our second author that we're going to talk about today. So look up their works too. Like, I don't know, because right now I have a lot of things that I'm trying to do, so I can't really sit down and read. Plus I'm trying to batch out these episodes for y'all. However, I do plan to take some time to circle back and read it in the future. But if you guys have time, I encourage you read it, get back to me, give me some insight. Maybe you could be like, clean, you're wrong. Cause he says it in the book right here that he was cool. But you know, let me know. And these are all just because I fell on the rabbit hole. My mind was working and I was like, wait a minute, this is kind of an interesting dot to connect. So you tell me if I'm reaching and I'm, I'm okay with that. Cause I don't want to be on anyone's radar for anything but positivity and good cheer. But anyway, so um, the next author was Erica Kennedy. She wrote a book called Bling. Bling, bling. And bling was, I'm going to tell you what it's about. I'm going to try and pull up the synopsis and tell you what that's about as well. So Erica actually died in 2012. Her book came out in 2004, her novel Bling. And the crazy and interesting thing, I can't really, as much stuff, and it was not a lot, that I could find on Terrence Dean and his book, interviews, etc. wiped for Erica Kennedy. It's the complete opposite. It was really hard to find anything about um her book even on wikipedia if you go there it was like a hyperlink for bling where you can go and like read the synopsis no hyperlink is dead page is not there so i'm gonna put it in trusty amazon that sells everything and see if it comes up let me see boom 
Here we go. Erica Kennedy, hard copy or paperback? Um, whew. Okay, here we go. Description. So I'm going to read to you the scenario off of Amazon, which is even up here, I had to say who because it's a lot of missing information on Amazon. So that's very interesting. But um, here's the scenario. Bling by Erica Kennedy. Cinderella remixed an uninhibited, unputdownable novel about a small town girl and the music mogul determined to turn her into a megastar. When 20-year-old Mimi travels from a small town in Ohio to New York for an audition with Lamont Jackson, head of the hottest hip-hop label in the business, she has no idea that her life is about to change overnight. The moment Lamont hears the beautiful young singer's silky voice, he signs her up in a bid to find mainstream success beyond the hip-hop charts. Soon, Mimi is rocking the chicest designer clothes, hanging out with an A-list crowd, and being escorted through velvet robes in the city's most exclusive clubs. But everything comes with a price. As Lamont's new female star, Mimi is given the full makeover treatment, Faden supermodel Vanessa De La Cruz restyles Bohemian Mimi into a ghetto fab glamour girl with outrageous shopping sprees at Prada and Gucci. Lena Whitaker, the hip-hop obsessed daughter of a powerful attorney, is handpicked by Lamont to become her club hopping sidekick. And Mimi can't quite tell if her spotlight craving record producer Daryl McHenry is friend or foe. As Mimi is seduced by the clothes, money, and decadent lifestyles of her new crowd, she comes to see that Lamont's own future in the recording industry rests on her inexperienced shoulders. Cinderella never felt pressure like this. Okay? So it's more of a rags-to-riches story, definitely a fiction story, but let me give you a little bit of background that I was able to find out about the author, Erica Kennedy. She is best friends with Kim Porter and Kimora Lee Simmons. She was one of the bridesmaids in Kimora's wedding. And if you look at her, she kind of has like like she she could be the one in the middle. Like, you know, Kimora's Asian and black, and I'm not really quite sure what, you know, um, Kim's makeup is, but Erica looks like right in the middle of both of them. Like she could be related to either of them, if that makes any sense. So beautiful woman, beautiful woman, all three of them. And they were a click, right? So in her own right, she, let me, let me see if I can get a little bit information about her and, um, you know, give you some details about her. So she was an American author, blogger, news correspondent, fashion journalist, and a singer. Singer. So makes me feel like it could be her life, right? That she's writing about. She became a news correspondent and fashion journalist. Okay. Um, in 2010, she was named to the list of 100 most influential African Americans as published by Ebony magazine known as the Ebony power 100. So influential. She is from Queens, New York, and she was residing in Miami beach at the time of her passing. Um, journalists, 
very influential in the entertainment fashion world, music world, right? And then you have two very influential besties, Kimora Lee and Kim Porter. And you're hanging out with them, like traveling. Like you're not the bestie that just, hey girl, on Facebook every now and then. Like, no, they're hanging out. They're, they're traveling the world and they're in each other's children's lives. They're at each other's weddings, in each other's weddings. They were close. So people, when the book came out, a lot of people said the book was about um, Kimora Lee. But I say Kimora never, ever showed any interest in becoming a musician. She was always a fashion model. She did it well. She had her swag. She stayed, she stuck to what she know, baby fat, you know, fat farm, like designing clothes, baby, you know, making clothes, you know, like being in the fashion world. That was her thing. And she was married to an entertainment rap mogul, you know, so... I get it, but I don't think the book was about Kimora like some people were saying. But I don't know because I didn't read the book. Who is it about? You know, she was a singer. Did she get lured in, you know, to as a singer and then got turned around into fashion and other things because of who she was around? Who knows? But let's read a little bit more into her death. Now, her book... To me, I have not read the full book. A lot of people are saying there's a, there's a lot of excerpts in there that make you feel like, you know, she's referring to different people and there is some gay innuendo in there. Like she hints at there is another side of this industry, the hip hop industry that we don't know about as consumers and fans. So I didn't read the book yet. You guys, I encourage you. It's called Bling by Erica Kennedy. If you find it, if you read it, fill me in because I've planned to in the future, but I have not yet. But tell me if I'm wrong or am I right or am I reaching with my speculations here because they're pure speculation. So she dropped her book in, when was it? 2004, right? And then 2012, the Miami Beach, Florida Police Department confirmed to news media that Kennedy's body has been found in her home on June 13th. She was 42 years old. Kennedy's cause of death has never been publicly announced. Now, if it was a natural causes, or even if it was like, you know, she had a heart attack or she fell and hit, you know, like had a, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think if Jay said it was a freak accident, like she fell and hit her head or something, that would look suspicious. But I think it also looks suspicious that the cause of death has never been publicly announced for her. She's an author. They did a news media to say, yes, she did pass away. We did find her body. So you just leave us hanging after that. Like, how did she die? She was a young girl. She was vibrant. She was popular, healthy, traveling, successful. You know, what happened? Mysterious death. That's all I can call it. Mysterious death. So that coupled with her best friend, Kim Porter, who they also now currently swear. She, Kim Porter died in 2018. And now they're swirling those rumors around saying like, Hey, she had a book and she was going to do a tell all and expose everything that she knows about the industry. And that's why she's not here. Is it true? So another little sidebar. So even though 
this author didn't die, thank God. And she, you know, wasn't physically involved in any of this directly. But Superhead, a.k.a. Karen Staffins, wrote a book a couple of years ago around the same time. And, you know, she told her tell-all about the industry and what she's experienced. So I'm not quite sure if the interaction between Exhibit and Diddy and then Exhibit and her took place before or after her book was released. But let's say it was after. Well, no, let's say it was either way. I don't know if it was before or after, but they're at a party, one of these parties, and um, Exhibit is talking with Puff, and Puff said, hey, don't be near, don't, I don't like you talking to that girl, talking, referring to Superhead. And he was like, I don't like you talking to her, like, don't talk to her, I don't trust her, you don't trust that girl. And he was like, what? What do you mean? What's going on? He was like, man, she'll mess around and have you with fingers in your booty and everything. Like, don't mess with that girl. So Exhibit was kind of taken aback, like, what the hell does that mean? You know what I'm saying? So he immediately, you know, after finished speaking to Puff, beelined it over to Karen Staffins, a.k.a. Superhead, and was like, yo, what you do to that man? And she was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yo, he was giving me a whole speech on, like, he, you know, he can't fuck with you. He don't want to be around you. And I should watch you. Be careful around you. Like, don't trust you. And you have fingers in my butt. Like, what is he talking about? And she was like, I don't know what he's talking about. So that's why I say it could have been before. So if it was before her book dropped, maybe he knew she was about to drop a book and maybe he was trying to discredit her. If it's after the book drop, maybe he knew, you know, he had an encounter with her. Either way you look at it, before or after, I feel like that interaction took place because he had an interaction and an encounter with Superhead that probably went extremely out of, you know, his sexual control and he ain't like it. Now that's all speculation. Don't hold that against me. And don't be like, why are you going there? I just really wanted to highlight these two authors that um, passed away untimely, unexpected, under very mysterious circumstances that had books that were touching similar topics, you know? Their experience with men in the hip-hop industry of mogul status of power. And then both of them end up dead mysteriously I thought that was interesting but I'm telling what you think to me I feel like mm, if Terrence was alive they'd be ringing his phone honey they would be calling him up right now like hot in hip-hop who is this about where was this at like they would be having him on every show right now on YouTube if he was alive so you know I don't know what to say about that but I thought that was very interesting it's so crazy because I'm like an hour into this episode and I'm so flabbergasted. I haven't even thought of a song to play, you know? I said I definitely want to play a, a Diddy song. Let me pause real quick and see what can inspire me real quick. I found the perfect song. You know, I had to find one. So I was just like, I don't know, because when I think of Puffy, I don't really, you know, I think of the, the big hits, etc. But um all his hits are big. I can't even lie. But I think of more so Biggie, you know? 
But I'm not going to play Biggie tonight. I found the song. It's uh, with Black Rob, Mark Curry, and Diddy, Bad Boy for Life. I mean, if he don't tell you nothing, he told you he was a bad boy, right? And ironically, Mark Curry recently has been one of the other people associated with him that's recently come out to speak about experiences, you know, his time and his experiences being around him. And they're not pretty. You can go all over YouTube as well. You can find them as well. So these are, to me, some people might be like, oh, these are just people that all have a grudge or a chip on their shoulder because he's not messing with them no more. But why did it take him so long to come out? Because A, the floodgates opened with Cassie and they felt like, hey, he can't hurt us all at this point, I guess, right? But whatever type of power he willed or whatever he was throwing down, he was definitely throwing it down because a lot of these people are scared and still scared to talk and don't really want to give opinions on it. And that's why with me, I'm not saying like he's right, he's wrong or whatever. I'm just saying like, if he's actually free, be free, especially in 2023, who going to hate you? Take the power back by be like, yeah, nigga, that's what I do. But if there was other dark criminal things involved, then that's out my hands. Like I have no opinion on that. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. So what I will say, though, I'm sending everyone involved prayers because the one thing that I think about the most is the children. Imagine your parents did whatever they did because all of our parents did some wild shit, but then you're seeing it on the Internet. You're hearing about it. You know, people are talking about, oh, these kids ain't his. These kids are theirs. Like, it's so much. So I, I send prayer out to the kids because they're innocent in all of this. They ain't asked to be here. They ain't asked for their parents to be who their parents were, you know? So I definitely send them love and, and healing energy and strength during this time, you know? Um, another thing is I send the prayers and strength to all the victims, men and women that might've been subjected to things that they felt were humiliating, things that they felt were violating. And, um, you know, they're finally getting being able to have a voice and speak, even if it was just in the form of Cassie getting that settlement, she did open the doors for the others to speak, you know, and maybe they, this would be a problem that would be taken, you know, seriously. So, and most recently he had to step down. Diddy had to step down from revolt temporarily as the CEO manager, et cetera. Um, he had to step down from the charter school he had to sever his ties with Macy's. So even though it's not criminal, right, it still has a trickle down effect and it is, he is being affected by it. And if people didn't feel a way about it, or if they didn't feel that there was some error of truth to it, they wouldn't sever ties just as quickly as he settled with Cassie. So those are my opinions. I'm not like holding and nailing anyone to the cross because it's all alleged until proven. Right. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's who it's everyone's truth. You know, you have their side, you know, his side, her side and the truth. Right. So that remains to be seen. And I'm not really here for that on this episode. I just really wanted to give highlight to these two authors, that were very closely affiliated to this whole story, to people and, you know, execs, et cetera, really personal ties to those people. And they stepped out boldly. And I want to give Erica Kennedy a uh, cheers as well, a round of applause as well for her book, 
you know, I'm sure I'm giving out all the hand claps tonight. Hey, shout out to Colossal for the special effects. <laughs> Gonna give hubby a little shout out there as well. But um, no, seriously, on a serious note, um, just being able to step out, you know, and make that bold step of saying, hey, I'm telling my truth. I'm telling my story, you know, and... Sometimes it don't be accepted. Sometimes people think you're lying, may not believe you. And then 20 years later, here comes the truth, right? And it corroborates what you were saying the whole time. So I don't know. I just wanted to share those with you and tell me what you think. Am I reaching? Am I reaching? And, um, or is there some interesting little tidbits that piqued your interest about these two authors, you know, Terrence Dean Erica Kennedy, respectively. Terrence Dean has bling. Oh, excuse me. Oh, Lord. Terrence Dean has hiding in hip hop and mogul. Those are his two new, his two novels, hiding in hip hop, which is about his life and mogul. And Erica Kennedy has bling, which is a fiction story loosely based on her life, maybe, but also about the same industry. Both of them were deeply rooted and deeply connected to the industry and they had a story to tell. And, um, unfortunately they're no longer here with us to tell us if it's, Hey, you guys are reaching my story. Wasn't even that serious or yup. Whatever you thinking is what it is. You know, like we, that's, we don't have no voice from them anymore to know. So, but I think it's also interesting that is a lot of information scrubbed. It's really hard to find information on Erica Kennedy other than like the Wikipedia, you know, um, is a, it's a video of her on YouTube reading an excerpt from another book. I'm not sure if that's a book she wrote or if it was just like a book reading situation type of thing. And she was just reading. So I don't know because she was not reading from her book bling. But, um, you guys check it out and tell me what you think. You tell me if I'm reaching or not. Like I said, this now, although this episode is under the urban celebrity crime series, there really was not a crime that was like held up in a court of law per se, but it's mysterious deaths. And you know, just like with investigative discovery or any other crime show, you have mysteries as well. And, um, I think there's definitely a mystery around here because a lot of the information about both of them are scrubbed. Um, it's very, it almost looks controlled what you can find out about these two. But, um, I thought it was interesting to know that Erica was besties with Kimora and Kim. And also duly interesting is that Terrence Dean was closely affiliated to Buffy and others in that circle. So yeah, there we go. So anyway, I'm going to leave it right there because I don't want nobody looking for me. I am, I have no dog in this race and I have no, nothing other than I'm just sharing some interests, some, some things that piqued my interest as I fell down the rabbit hole of all of this stuff. Like I told you early in this episode, every day I wake up like high frequencies, positive energy, and then... 50 cents hits you with a post and I'm like, okay, down the rabbit hole. What is he talking about? What is that from? Where's that footage of him? Why is he spanking Jay-Z's butt? You know, just so much, right? So yeah, definitely done strategically. Shout out to 50 cent. If he had a plan, he had a plan. He said, I'm going to take it down. 
But um, also, they say the truth comes to light. What you do in the dark comes to light, right? So if you are really abusing people and being and abusing your power, that will come to a head regardless of who you are. I agree with that. I'm a firm believer in that. So I'm going to leave it there. But I am going to play bad boy for life because he told you he a bad boy for life, right? And um, I just thought it was interesting because rest in peace to Black Rob. He's no longer with us. But I love Black Rob. I thought he was a really dope artist on Bad Boy. And um, I saw a documentary about him you know, not that long ago and you show what he was going through and he went through a lot, you know what I'm saying? And I wish it would have, he would have had a happier ending in the end, but shout out to black Rob. I'm going to show him some love tonight. We're going to play bad boy for life. Also shout out to Mark Curry. So you can look him up on the internet present day. He is talking and talking just like the name of this show is she could talk. Well, he can talk and he, him, and Gene Deal, among a few others, are definitely on YouTube talking about their time, their experience, and what they witnessed under their time with Diddy. So there you go. Very interesting times that we're in. And um, yeah, you tell me. But anyway, until next time, you know how I say, you know what I say, right? If you like this episode, please, please, please tell a friend. If you do not like this episode, that's okay. Cause you know what I want you to do? Please tell a friend. It does not hurt either way. I appreciate the love either way. And if you don't like yourself, well, I'm gonna bring that back. If you don't love yourself, you can't love me. So I want you to wake up every morning, look yourself in the mirror and find something beautiful to say to yourself. Cause you can. And, um, Live that, whatever you say, all day, and then you'll be able to radiate that love out to others because I'm a firm believer in you can't love me if you don't love you, right? So until next time, y'all, y'all stay blessed, y'all stay safe, and from my lips to your ears, let me send y'all a little kiss. I love you. Until next time, y'all, peace. Hey, y'all, you ready? Let's do it. What's up after bucks? Crush crews after us. No games, we ain't laughing much. Nothing but big things. Check the hit list, how we twitch. What changed with the name? We still here, you're rocking with the best. Don't worry if I write rhymes, I write checks. Who's the boss? Dudes is lost. Don't think cause I'm iced out, I'ma cool off. Who else but me? And if you don't feel me, that means you can't touch me. It's ugly, trust me. Get it right, dog. We ain't never left. We just move in silence and rep to the death. It's official. I survived what I've been through. Y'all got drama. The saga continues. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now. Cause it's bad boy for life. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now. Cause it's bad boy for life. Hey, look straight from the Harlem streets. I don't play, I put.
push it down with the Harlem heat. All of a sudden, got a problem with me. Black, what happened? They running around acting like the black don't care eat. And you know what? What? For some strange reason, I'm off of this medication, feeling deranged, needing for y'all to put the word out. We ain't leaving. We tryna be rich before we all stop breathing. Therefore, we kinda hustle lanes. Stay laying down our muscle gains. Still turn dreams to flames. You got the wire? If not, I ain't saying no names. You soon expire. No pain. I feel remorseless. Of course, it's me and Diddy up first. Racing Porsches with the big twin valve exhausts. On the cover of your vibes. Double like sounds and sauces. Since the notorious, see everything still glorious. We still got warriors, still be the victorious. See, it's a lot of them, but it's more of us. Still got cash to blow, raps to flow, still them cats to know, pack to flow, that's for sure. Bottles to pop, joints to rock, play the background, handle my jock, holding my money to get. Cars to flip, bars to sit at and sip cognac with juice to drip. Hoes to see, make sure and they knowin' it's me. Drop that D, can't believe that I am C. Bad boy to the casket drop, gotta love it. Place nothing above it, it's on like that. Don't believe we ain't going like that. For always gonna be here, we there every month. It's here. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. Ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now. Stay right here forever and ever. We can't be stopped now. It's bad boy for life. We ain't going nowhere. We gon' stay right here. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now. We gon' stay right here for life. Uh-huh. Go nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. We can't be stopped now. Cause it's bad boy for life.